listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Into God's Word here today, we're going to be in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verses 24 through 25, and we're reading from the ESV translation, which will be up on the screen as well. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is God's word. Thank you, Pastor Dave. I was away last Sunday, but Pastor Dave uh, began a little series uh, where we are looking at community and uh, talking about what community is. I'm going to talk to you uh, a little bit more narrow than, than what Pastor Dave gave you on Sunday. He gave you the, the broader picture and did a, a fabulous job of doing that um, and helping us to understand that we are called to community. Um, and uh, for the next couple of Sundays at least, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to narrow that down and talk about what community needs to look like in life church. And I'm going to be very upfront with you and tell you that I am going to challenge you to no end today, all right? Um, and maybe challenge you even more next Sunday, all right? But this is, this is where I feel that God's heart is for us right now. These are the things that God is speaking to us and so I want us to look at these, and we're going to look at a number of different verses from Scripture over the next couple of three Sundays or so as we talk about this idea of community and what community needs to look like. And maybe that's where we start, is some sort of simple definition of community here, if you will. Uh, and, the, and the short answer for that really is that, hey, it's just a compound word. It, it's calm and unity. Uh, and, of course, calm means with, you know, like our to- with together. Unity means that we are, what it says, unified. We are with one another and we are together. We are tracking together. We have, we have a common union with one another, if you will, that moves us, it drives us, uh, it, it energizes us uh, to the things that we need to be doing for God. And so with that, we want to talk about some of the very practical ways that this whole idea of community plays out in the context of life church. In other words, how do you and I, in very practical kinds of ways, live this out? And let's just start with a basis of a few scriptures to kind of give us the platform uh, that we're going to work off of here. And of course, the, the first one I would give you is the one that you quoted today in our worship time, and that is Psalm 133, verse 1. Behold, you know, how, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. This is, a, this is very important for us in community, is that we are with unity with one another, all right? That we are, we are moving in the same direction, that we are focusing our, our energies and, and our resources in, in the same direction. Let me take you a little further with that, and let's look at Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, which talks about how we are one body. We have many different members, and the members do not all have the same function, all right? So we're, we're different, and we don't have the same function, but we are a body together, all right? Uh, so um, we are individual members of one another, all right? We, we make this up together. This means that we actually belong to one another. We need one another. We live in this harmony, this sense of oneness with one another. But let's take it even further. We are, there are re- requirements of us. There are things that are asked of us when we understand how unified we are and, and how we live in this together. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says that you and I have the responsibility to bear one another's burdens, all right? We don't just carry ourselves in this unity in this body, but we carry one another. And in doing that, we are actually fulfilling the law of Christ in our lives. So as we are going about our lives and our routines and our daily affairs, we not only are cognizant of the other people around us and their needs, but we are a part of God's answer for those individuals in helping them 
carry the burdens that they carry. It goes even further. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18 says, Therefore, then, comfort one another. All right? Comfort one another with the words of encouragement that are given from Scripture. We are to comfort one another. We're to care about one another. All of this based in the, the Word of God, of course. But we have a responsibility to, to not only bear with one another, but to actually bring comfort to one another. And let me just give you one more as a platform here. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, he says, we're going to urge you, brothers and sisters, um, that you do some things, all right? And this is interesting. Admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. There's a sense here that there are always going to be some people in the body of Christ who are going to be in a weaker position. They're going to be in a place of greater need, maybe, than you or I would be at any given time. And there are going to be times that you and I are going to be in some of those places, and there are going to be others in the body who at that time are strong and are able to work with us or help us or come along beside us or encourage us. But the idea here is that we as a family are to not only encourage and comfort one another and carry one another, but we are to admonish when when, when others are not fulfilling their place or are carrying their load or whatever. We're to admonish them. We're to encourage those who get get weak or overwhelmed or are faint-hearted. We're to help those people who are very weak in whatever situation that they are in. And above all, we are patient with all situations that require us to lay down our own lives in some way and be there to help and encourage someone else. So these are all aspects of what we are supposed to do. Now, if you're asking in your heart, well, am I really, do I really have to do all of that? Um, yeah, I think you do. I think we do. All right? I think we all have to do that. I don't think it's for one or two or a few. I think it's for all of us. And here's the other thing that I want you to understand as the adults in Life Church. Okay? Our kids have a, a, a program that they're going through or a, a, a curriculum, a course, whatever you want to call it. It's called the Gospel Project. They get a little card uh, every Sunday. And it's basically about the lesson. Now, the card that I'm holding in my hand is from a previous lesson that our children had. And uh, if you, you can see it on the screen there, here are a couple of Christians that are walking by, and here's an individual who's in some kind of need. And what we taught our children in this particular lesson, and the card that they took home with them in their little pockets, they all got them and they took them home, and hopefully the parents talked to them about it, and they discussed it, how it would work and how it would be carried out. But it says, from Acts, where Pastor Dave landed last week, the church met needs great teaching fabulous lesson but my question to you as the adults in life church is are we going to allow this teaching to be head knowledge or are we going to train and empower our children to take this out in very practical kinds of ways and work it out as a part of their theological formation as little children? And are we going to be the examples of that so that they are not just learning head knowledge and getting information on a Sunday morning, but they are actually seeing their moms and dads and and their aunts and uncles and other adults in the church actually living out the truth of God's Word. Otherwise, they are going to see us, the adults in life church, as hypocrites of our own teaching. And so where do we land? How do we, how do we do this thing called community? And do it well, all right? And I, I'm not going to have all the answers to you. I don't know that I have wrestled more with a message than I have this little series that, that we've tackled here. But we really feel, David and I both, that this is a real piece of God's heart, generally speaking, but even more so that this is God's heart for Life Church right now. This is the pulse of Life Church right now. This is where God is tapping in and saying, hey, I want to talk to you about this area. I, I, want, I want to look at this. I, I want to deal with this. And so what I want to do this morning with staying with this passage in Hebrews of let us consider how to stir one another up to love and to good works. I want us to be a church that, that allows 
Pastor Dave and Pastor Bill to open this for discussion, for dialogue, that this becomes the table talk in our homes uh, and in our small groups and in other times in, in the coffee shop or wherever, where we're getting together with one another, that we begin to dialogue and talk through Uh, the points of what it means to be in community and how does that look when it's lived out and walked out in very practical ways. Because David and I don't have all the answers here. We are also a part of the great American church that is very independent and very individualistic and very self-centered in a lot of ways. And so we're being challenged by our own words. We're preaching to ourselves here, if you will. So what I want to do over the next couple of Sundays is address several areas here and bring some application for us as well here, all right? And so this is where, I mean, these scriptures that I've already shared with you is enough to just overwhelm me. It's like, how do I do that? That is not how I'm really wired. That is not my forte. I really don't know if I really want to do that. So I've got to check my heart and let God really deal with my heart here in these areas, but I also don't know if I'm really up to it. Can I live in community the way that God intends for us to live in community with one another? Can we do this together? And I think, I believe, I know, I'm confident that we can, all right? But it's going to take some work. It's going to take some due diligence on our part. It's going to take some dialogue and some, some learning curve here. Uh, it's going to take you and I being willing to lay our lives down. So it's going to take a, a, a real work of the heart. I believe this is a real work of the Holy Spirit that is happening in Life Church. I believe that God really is trying to transition us, if you will, as a church. In, and, and I'm not even talking about a new location, a dress, or a building. But I believe that God is trying to transition us as a community and to make us more legitimate than we ever have been as a community. You say, well, Pastor Bill, are you saying that we are illegitimate? No, I'm not. And I'm not saying that we haven't been in community. But I'm saying that there's much more to it than what we've been. And I believe that God is calling us to that more. I believe that God wants more of us, that he has... He has more for us as his people living in authentic Christian community. So what I want to do over the next couple of Sundays or so is to look at, first of all, what authentic community looks like. I want to talk a little bit about what does it really look like to be in authentic community with one another. The second thing I want to do is I want to talk about what community is not. All right, I want us, I want us to look at some of the things that, that maybe we thought was community, are we've used to sort of justify that we're in community, um, but they're really not a part of what community really is in the church. So we're going to look at, at that. And then in the end of this all, I would like to offer to you what I feel like are some core values that Life Church holds concerning community. And let us start there. Let us start in, in that place of what are some of those, like, key core values, and we, we work off of that, we build off of that, okay? Now, here's the, here's the problem for us as we go into this, is that we are very busy. Uh, we are, many of us, very independent people. Uh, we're very, very self-sufficient. Most of you are Midwestern people, uh, and so you have this real strong sense of pioneering and and, and you want to you wanna establish, and you want to be independent, and you want to be strong. And I believe that God appreciates that, and God has used many in the church to establish the kingdom of God with that same kind of spirit, but not at the expense of community, not at the expense of, of intimacy and growing together and serving one another and caring for one another and ministering to one another. And so we need to find our balance as Life Church. We need to find where we are in all of this. And what I hope happens as we do this is that you and I begin to sense what the Holy Spirit is really giving us in terms of how we are to reach the community that He is putting us in. He is expanding our neighborhood quite a bit. And so what does it look like to 
to live in community and to be on mission and to serve God in the way that he would ask of us as a church body, okay? So hopefully we're going to be able to sort of parse some of that out and, and give some, some shape to all of that as we go forward, okay? So let's, get, let's just kind of get into that here. Hebrews says, let us consider this. How, how do we stir one another up in love, and how, how do we stir each other up to, to good works? And that we not neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some. So there were already problems in the early church of people who did not see the value of coming together, all right? And, and I would challenge us in, in two aspects here, and that is that we come together as a body like this where we are, are being challenged by the preaching of God's Word, where we are connecting with one another and with God in worship, uh, where we are growing together as the larger body, but that we are also looking for those places in a small group f- kind of form, especially life groups, where we are gathering together and uh, we are being committed to that. Here's what I find out with life groups in particular. And, um, and by the way, when we first started talking about community and we, we decided that we wanted to preach about community, it really was me saying to David, David, I'd love for you to just preach a sermon that is all about life group. And uh, I'd, I would love for you to really lay a challenge out uh, to the church to be a part of life groups um, and, and, and see what you can do with that. And, uh, but as he began to to pray and seek God about that, it became very aware to both of us that this is a much bigger thing than about life groups. And so these messages, although I'm going to plug life groups and David plugged life groups and I'm going to keep plugging life groups, it's not just about life groups. Community is much broader than that. And so I don't want you to to miss that or get that mixed up, that, well, this is Pastor Bill's attempt to get us all to join a life group. No, it's not that. I'm attempting to get you to be what God intends you to be as the church in community with one another. And a part of that is breaking it down possibly into smaller groups and being a part of a group, if you will, of some type. And in particular, I'm going to push life groups because I so believe in what life groups are all about. Okay, When I first started attending church years ago as, as a, uh, an older teen, um, you know... I got into a church that was sort of on the side of a very uh, positive theology. Um, I'm trying to be gracious here. Uh, but the idea was that if you wanted to be successful in the kingdom of God, you had to look successful. Uh, there were certain things that you couldn't say, and there were certain things that you were supposed to say. Um, there were declarations to be made, and there were confessions to not make. Uh, but above all, you were supposed to look successful because that was a sort of a prophetic effort on your part to to bring in the success of God in, in your life. And, and I, I kind of grew up in, in some of that. So I had the idea initially as, as, a, as a young believer, as a new believer, uh, that I had to look good, all right? I was supposed to look my best. And, and you know, some Sundays I do kind of dress up, but some Sundays I don't dress up so much. Some Sundays I'm a bit casual up here, um, and I'm very comfortable with that. Now, I would have never been comfortable with that when I first became a Christian. you got to understand, guys, when I became a Christian um, way, way back uh, in, the, in the, the late 70s, <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, when, when, when I attended Bible college, you know, um, there had just been some, some movies that came out about dancing, uh, and guys wore three-piece suits and did weird things on the dance floor and disco and things like that, you know. And so, seriously, I mean, I'm glad I, 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 I'm not photogenic and I don't let people take pictures of me, but I went to church wearing three-piece suits and platform shoes. And, uh, and, and it, was, it was so bad. It was, it was just so bad. But I was told to look good look my best. And as weird as guys in three-piece suits with platform shoes are, I had the best-looking platform shoes in the world. You got to understand, this was a navy blue three-piece suit until I got the cream-colored one. Some of you know where I'm going, okay? But that, that three-piece navy blue suit was shiny. It was really shiny. And the baby blue platform shoes knocked it out of this world. 
And I was seeking God in this attire. You know, but I was told you got to look good. And if there's a problem, you don't share it with anybody. You don't confess that because that's a false confession. All right? So you don't let people really know if you're struggling. You don't, you don't let them know when you're hurting. You don't let them know when there's a, a weak place in your life. You certainly don't let them know if you're in a financial need or a financial crisis because that just says that you don't have enough faith to believe God. And so you have to live in this kind of false impression, if you will, and everything's got to be okay. So I could never let anyone in. Life was closed to everyone that should have been a vital and important part of my life. And it was tightly closed, and they never got in. And on the inside, I was dying, struggling, and in difficult situations because I was a young Christian, and I was coming out of drugs and alcohol and, and crazy stuff. And, and, but I couldn't ask anybody any questions and I couldn't share the truth because I had to look good. But here's the good news, guys. I was dead wrong. I was dead wrong. And to buy into that the way I did, I was dead wrong. I missed it. I got off there, all right? And, and what I want to say to you is that there, there is an authentic biblical community that we can live in and it's a place where we can not only care about the things of God but realize that there are people who will help us and they care about us and they care about where we are and 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 the most important thing is that we understand that God has done a great work for that place of brokenness in us and that as we allow our weakness to come forth we are able to be healed and that God uses other wounded healers in the body to help us and to grow with us and to, to call us to maturity and to stir up in us the passion for Him and for good works and for faithfulness and purity and all these kinds of things that we battle with. And so what I have learned over the years is that there is a place for you and I to live where we experience the true, genuine love of God the Father. And oftentimes that love is experienced as we love one another. First John chapter 4, verse 7, it says that, that uh, dear friends, you, you need to let us love one another. For love comes from where? From God. And... This is, a, this is a powerful place to begin. And I'm not trying to be cheesy here with you this morning. I'm not trying to just do something that's a feel-good. I, I, I want you to understand, and I'm a, I'm a living example of this myself, and I, I understand the power of it through my own experience to begin to understand the powerful love of the Father is an unbelievable place of healing. And it, it opens and allows us to flourish. When I was in art school in Sarasota, Florida, um, we would go to different places, and we would take our, our, our box and with our canvases and whatever medium we were in, um, ink, oil, you know, whatever. And we would find things to, to paint or to draw. And uh, we would go as, as a group. And our class on one day, we came into the class, and, the, and the, the instructor, he said, I'm taking you to the botanical gardens. And I'm like, I don't even know what a botanical garden really is. You know, this is going to be weird. So we went to this botanical garden. And it was a unique place. It was dome-like. But inside of this botanical garden, there was one sort of specific focus, and that was orchids. There were orchids they were unbelievable. Like, I had never seen an orchid. I was just a, a little kid from South Georgia uh, living, you know, on the edge of a farm. And we didn't have orchids. We had cow pies. You know, I mean, that was 
we kicked them around, you know. We didn't think about orchids, you know. I knew what it was. I was at least educated, you know, but I'd never seen an orchid. I'm walking around, and I'm just looking at these things, and I'm just going, wow, look at this. And they're growing. Like, man, these things are big. They're huge. Look at them. They're just everywhere. And they're like, they're just like some, it looked like someone just took one and plastered it on the side of a tree, and it just started growing there, you know. It's just amazing. And I'm like, how can this be? And I said it out loud, obviously louder than I should have. And this little old lady, and she had this little suit thing on, and she came over to me and she goes, it happens because we have created an environment for it to flourish. And she's just shaking all over. And this is her world. This is her life. To create this environment that an orchid Well, I would like to tell you that our responsibility, I believe, is to create an environment where men and women, boys and girls, can flourish, where they can grow, where where we can see each other blossom and become everything that God intends for us. And that's what I want for Life Church. I want Life Church to be so life-giving that people in this church are flourishing. It's just there's a culture here where you and I can grow. And that will happen. This little lady said to me, she goes, you know, each of us spends a certain number of hours every week with our orchids. I said, oh, you got some of your own? So there are certain ones that are, that are I'm responsible for, and I take care of them, and I spend my hours with my orchids every week. And I'm like, really? I'm thinking she's crazy. She's just, this is a crazy little old lady. I would never spend hours with an orchid. I'm having trouble trying to draw one, you know. But she was so excited, and she was so committed, and she, she was so dedicated. But, folks, I'm telling you, those are the biggest orchids I've ever seen. Over the years, I've seen orchids since then. I actually like them, you know. I see them at Lowe's or Menards or Walmart or Kmart, I mean, or the zoo or another botanical garden somewhere. I, I look at them, and I, just, I, I love them. They're just amazing, all right? I've bought my wife orchids, all right? I, I was so impressed, you know, and, and I, I was like, I, I just need, I want to share this with, with someone else. Forget the story now. Okay, let's go back to where, where we need to be. You and I need to be creating a culture. This is a part of what we do as the body of Christ. We create a culture where we can flourish where one another can flourish. That means that we can come in wounded, we can come in broken, we can come in scarred, we can come in dirty, we can come in in whatever capacity we are in at the moment, and there we can begin to flourish. All right? We can begin to, to, to transform and to become all that God wants us to be because we are operating out of the love of God, the reality that He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might, what, live, flourish through Him. That we might have eternal life, that, that our sins are forgiven, and from there we grow and we, we are nurtured and we flourish as the body of Christ. Now, let me, let me bring it down here to us for a minute. Picture a group of, like, everyday people who get together and they don't gossip about one another, they don't judge one another, But they honestly love, they honestly support, they honestly pray for one another. And to get even more specific, we would go into James chapter 5 and look there where it says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. That's the culture. That's what we come to, is this place where we realize that we have this responsibility. We have not only a responsibility, but we see it as an opportunity to listen to one another and pray for one another and encourage one another through these places where we are struggling. And this is not easy to do. This is actually quite challenging for us, folks. And I I remember just even uh, not so very long ago, 
And I may have shared this with some of you at various times, so forgive me for being redundant, but I want to share it with us as a whole. Um, Just wrestling with some old memories and some very sinful places and and feeling like, man, the enemy just keeps trying to bring this in front of me. Or is this you, God, and there's something unfinished here that I need to to do with you, but is, is is there something here that's undone? You know, I'm willing for you to open my heart to this. And, and really beginning to see some of some root issues behind some of, of this past and realizing that, you know what, I really need to pray through this, Father, and, and, and go deeper with God here. And so I, I went to Pastor Dave and I said, hey, I need to talk to you. And uh, he knows when I come in a certain countenance, it, it's serious business. You know, and he says, okay, and he just cleared everything away and turned his chair around and said, what's up? And I said, I just, I just want to talk to you. All right, I just want you to listen to me. And I want to talk about, I want to process some, some sin in my life. It's old sin. It's under the blood of Jesus. But it's sin. And it's, it's plaguing me, my mind right now. And I just, I just want to confess it to you. Because that's what the Bible says to do. And um, I sat down literally like, like, literally, I was, like, right in front of, of, of Pastor Dave, and I, and I just talked to him, and I said things to him, and I told him about sinful aspects of my life in the past. That it, was, it was a moment where I had to be so risky and vulnerable because here's the man that I've mentored his whole ministry life. Here's the man that I know has looked up to me and, and looked to me for leadership. As a man that I've, I've loved and I've championed and I've, I've been a, his number one cheerleader and I've encouraged him all the way. But I, I've also been an authority in his life and, and, and there's a relationship there that I didn't want to stain or tarnish. And yet I knew that he was the person that I was supposed to go to. And it was so doggone hard to do that. And I realized that I had such a fear of being rejected, you know, such a fear of, of what if he says, I can't serve with you anymore because now I know your past. <laughs> things like that were going on in my head. And I said, I just got to tell you some things, and will you just listen? <laughs> and I shared, I confessed with him these things, and they went back, you know, to my teenage years and stuff. And, and in that place of, I call it hippiedom, you know, drugs and alcohol and all that stuff. And I just told him. I just told him how it was. What, it, what I felt like it had done to me. How it had crippled me. The battle I was in to, to live in wholeness. And when I got done, he sat there and he looked at me for just a moment. He reached over and he took both my hands in, in his hands like this, you know, and he was holding me. And he goes, he looks me in the eye and he goes, Pastor Bill, I forgive you. I'm not trying to mess with your theology here. And I'm not trying to elevate a pastor here. Anybody could have been in this dynamic and it would have been biblical. But he says, I forgive you. And he went a step further. He said, your sins are forgiven. Based on scripture, you're forgiven. And there was something absolutely outstanding and astounding about that moment for me. And I thought to myself, this is what it's all about. This is what it means to be in community with one another. To feel that kind of love that flows out of another person sourced from God the Father that allows us to be confessional and allows us to forgive. And there is something tremendously empowering about that that allows us to live in an atmosphere where we can flourish. I was able to to walk away from the, the, the mental battle and the emotional battle that I'd been fighting for days and feeling the release from that and the power to, to walk out of confess our sins to one another. That that involves a safe place of sharing. That involves support from from others. That involves a fellowship where we can listen 
and share our experiences with one another where we can get strength, where we can find hope with each other, where we help each other to heal in God's power. Um, is, is there such a place? Can this, can this be? Yes. Yes. This is possible for the body of Christ if we are willing to go there. And here's what I want to expose to you this morning is this is why there's a problem sometimes and it's found in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 where it says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I didn't have a struggle with Pastor Dave. I didn't have a struggle with people involved in situations in my past. All right. Our struggle is not with flesh and blood but it is against rulers, it is against authorities, it is against powers of this dark world, it is against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. There is a real and literal enemy that would love to keep you isolated. There is a real enemy who would tell you you don't need anybody else. I remember being a little boy, and I remember standing in front of my dad, and he didn't very often speak to us. He didn't say much to us at all. He was very absent in our lives. But on occasion, he would look at us and he would say, boys, don't ever get yourself in a place where you depend on somebody else. Take care of yourself. When you have to pay, you pay for yourself and a little bit more. You don't owe anybody. You don't need anybody else. Don't ever get yourself in a place where you need somebody else. That was the message. You know what? That's a worldly message. And it's out there today. You be everything you can be. You get everything you can get. You walk over whoever you have to to do that. You just get it. That's Because you don't need anybody else. And you don't want to put yourself in a place where somebody else can hurt you. All right? So you, you need to be independent. You need to protect yourself. You need to guard yourself. So build fences around everything you got. Lock yourself up. Don't feel such a lie. It's such a lie, church. Jesus came to set us free. Jesus came to unlock us. Jesus came to take away the shame and the guilt and all of those things. Jesus came to bring us life and life abundant. In other words, Jesus came for us to flourish to flourish in our families, to flourish in our jobs and careers, to flourish in the church, to flourish in the kingdom of God. So we can do this. But we need to understand that there's a battle out there. First Peter chapter 5 says you need to be self-controlled. You need to be alert. You need to, 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 to realize that the devil prowls about like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. This is what you and I need to understand. Out there, there is an enemy who wants to destroy us. In here, God is at work to create an atmosphere for us to flourish and to live in. You need someone else in your life. You need other people around you. You need to be able to depend on someone else at various times. Yes, but you don't understand. All my life I've tried to depend on people and they have let me down. God is faithful. And as we grow and are discipled and mature together people in the body of Christ, we will become more and more faithful. And we will represent this faithfulness of God to the best of our abilities. Is someone going to let you down? Yes. Is someone going to hurt you? Yes. Is someone going to disappoint you? Yes. But in the body, we're going to take the risk together to try to help one another to become everything that we need to be for one another to be the body of Christ that reaches a world that doesn't know this kind of thing. The world lets everybody down. The world devours. And Satan knows and uses the lies and the deceptions to try to permanently isolate us and keep us out of an authentic community. And I'm telling you, I believe that this is one of the most powerful things that you and I can do is be a part of a community, an authentic Christian community, even beyond the bigger community that we would call Life Church, such as a life group. And there may be other groups that you would get involved in. But here's the thing, you know, at this 
Uh, just at the mere mention of the word community, oftentimes um, people just look at you like you dropped in from another world or something, you know. And some people will smile very tolerantly. You're not really smiling today, all right? I'm just going to let you know. I'm looking around, and there's not a lot of smiles on faces here today. Uh, you're not enjoying this at all, I can tell. Uh, you're, but you're listening, and you're hearing me, I believe. And uh, I, I want you and I to change. I want us to move away from our own world. And I want us to move into community at a deeper level than we ever have been. I realize I'm asking you to do something that's very risky. But we are, according to Hebrews, to look for ways to stir each other up. To build each other up, to encourage each other in, in good works. And, and we're not to stop meeting together. And uh, I'm going to close here in just a moment for today and pick this right back up next week. Uh, I'm going to give you a, a little piece of application here and then we're going to have the gospel. But here's the thing. How many of you, when you are going through a difficulty, don't raise your hands on this, uh, but how many of you, when you're going through a difficulty, or it's been a really bad week, you don't come to church? Or you don't go to your life group? Or you stay home, veg out, isolate, put up the guard, whatever you need to do, that's what you do. That's what most of us do. That's what most people in the body of Christ do. Most of the time, when I say to someone, hey, I missed you last Sunday, and I want to hear them say, oh, yeah, we took a trip. We went on a little retreat, and we had a wonderful time, and God met us there, and it was really great. That's not generally what, what I hear. Most of the time, I hear these, these kinds of phrases. Yeah, it was really a bad week, and I just, you know, I don't know. I just felt like I had to just be by myself. Well, great. You just gave the devil exactly what he wanted. You, you just listened to the enemy, and you did exactly what he wanted you to do, and you missed the opportunity to come into the, the fellowship, into the body. You know, on, on Sunday, I ran the Berlin Marathon, and it hurt like the dickens. My feet hurt so bad in that marathon, the worst they have ever hurt. And afterwards, I took off my shoes. There was a Starbucks right at the finish line. That was the only redemption of this entire marathon. And I sat down at Starbucks. Forgive me, I did do it outside in the patio area, but I took my shoes off. Everybody else was doing the same thing. Took my shoes off as I'm drinking my drink, and I looked at five black toenails. And I went, yep, there it is. Say goodbye to all of those babies. They're on their way out. You know, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. You lose them every time, you know. And, but I was hurting, you know. But you know what? My toes didn't run away. My toes are a part of me. They're, they're, and, and I, as a body, will take care of my feet. Well, some of you will debate that because I ran the marathon. But, but trust me, post-marathon, in recovery, I will take care of my feet. Why? Because they're a part of my body, and I need them. It is the responsibility of the body to take care of you. But you've got to be willing to lay down your own pride and self-sufficiency and independence and let the body do that. And instead of isolating yourself, you have got to come into the body and let us pray for one another as we confess our sins and faults and struggles and, and, and all these things we wrestle with. That we may be healed. That we may be healed. That is what we do. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know how that needs to look exactly because I'm not very good at it. And the church of America is not very good at it. But can we explore that together? That's what I'm saying. Let's put this on the table. Let's get it out there on the table and start to talk about it, all right, so that we can explore it together with one another as the body of Christ. Did you know there are 59 one another's in Scripture where the Bible talks about us and how we relate to one another. 
I would like in a closing application here to just point out a few of those. So would you indulge me for just a moment and would you just bow your head if you're comfortable doing so? Close your eyes if that's acceptable to you to do so. I have all 59 of these listed, but I just want to read a few of them off to you. And I just want to ask you to let them sink into your heart this morning. And as I do, would you just ask God, sort of almost like a responsive in your own heart, help me, Lord, that I may do this. Just help me, Lord, that I may do this. Mark chapter 9, verse 50. Be at peace with each other. John 13, 34. Love one another. Romans 12, 16. Live in harmony with one another. John 13, 35. Love one another. Romans 14, 13. Stop passing judgment. One another. John 15, 12. Love one another. Romans 15, 14. Instruct one another. John 15, 17. Love one another. 1 Corinthians 12, 25. Have equal concern for each other. 1 John 3.11, love one another. Galatians 5.13, serve one another in love. 1 John 3.23, love one another. Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens. 1 John 4.7, love one another. Ephesians 4.2, be patient bearing with one another in love. John 4, 7, love one another. Ephesians 4, 32, be kind and compassionate to one another. 1 John 4, 12, love one another. James 4, 11, do not slander one another. 2 John 5, love one another. James 5, 16, pray for each other. Lastly, 1 Peter 4, 10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve one another. Father, would you help us that we are able to do this. Would you work deep in our hearts that we may be the people of God who are committed to one another in Christian love and community. And would you show us how, as Life Church, to live this out day by day by day by day, consistently, ongoing. And may we be relentless in our pursuit of you and our diligence to create a culture where we all flourish. God, unite us, knit us together. Give us one heart and one mind. Cause us, Lord, to function according to your will and your purpose and your plan for life, church. And ultimately, as we do this, and as we love one another, may the world see our love for one another. And may that love draw them to Jesus Christ. We ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Christian, will you come and share the gospel with us, please? So we have just heard what it looks like to live in community 
community with one another and how important that is for the church as a role. However, this is only done through Jesus Christ. Um, has God revealed himself to us through him by sending him to earth to live as a perfect example and to also show us what true community looks like as he dwelled among us, as he loved others well, as he lived in harmony with others. And so that's who we look to as this representation of community. And through that we see the fullness of his love as he decided to go to the cross and die as a perfect man for our sins. And how beautiful that is. So that we could be forgiven and that we could live in perfect relationship with him and so we could strive to live in perfect relationship and community with others. And so from there, three days later, he rose from the dead. He resurrected to heaven and sent his Holy Spirit down to us so that we have the power and the ability to live in community and love each other well. And that one day we will share in that resurrection with him and be able to live in perfect community with God and with each other. If this is something that is new to you and you'd like to learn more about this, you'd like to know this Jesus and trust in this Jesus, or if you just have other prayer concerns, I invite the prayer team now to come forward and they would love to pray with you. If not, otherwise, you can just, you'll be quietly dismissed after I pray. Let's bow our heads. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.